good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen to that? And by house, I mean us, not the building. But it's good to be part of what God's doing here, and it's great. I'm a little nervous, man. There's like a whole lot of people to preach to. And I've been looking at y'all through this little tiny window up there for all this time, and now here you are. Welcome back. Welcome back. God bless you all. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. I know that you believe in the Word of God. Most of you do. You do. You believe in the Word of God, and I do too. I believe that the Word of God is exactly what we need, and it's the reminder for us as we celebrate this day and launch you guys into the next chapter of your life. We need the Word of God. Uh, John 9 is where we are going to be today. And the first few words of John 9 in verse 1 say, As he, Jesus, went along, He saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him a question. This is how life is done. We we walk our journey. We're journeying, and we're journeying along with Jesus if we're in his word. And we need to walk in his word. We need to stay in his word. And as we stay in his word, our life is overlaid with the words of Jesus. We walk, we do these things together, and our questions rise, and and the, the concerns of our heart uh, come about, and we're like, Jesus, what, what about this? What about this? And then he answers the questions according to his word, and that's how we need to do it, Overlay, overlaying God's word with our life. And what a good reminder for us uh, today as he went along, and as we go along, let's stay with Jesus and ask him all our questions. Uh, let's look at John chapter 9, beginning of verse 1. John 9, 1. <clears throat> as he went along. He saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Man, is that something or what? This guy's never seen anything. All he ever saw was darkness his entire life. He did what Jesus told him to do, and he came home. Seeing. Let's not rush through the powerful works of Jesus, the things that he did, and the way it affected people. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then? It's the first how. We have four hows in this chapter. How? How then were your eyes open? They asked. And he replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. I have a feeling that's going to be a problem. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. How? He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. 
Some of the Pharisees said, this man's not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. The others asked, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided, and this word divided is a key word in the chapter, divided. Divided by Jesus. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to, do, what have you to say about him? It was your, your eyes he opened. And the man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can now see or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were what? Afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. And that was why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. Let's stop right there. Uh, we'll carry on and get the rest of that in a minute. But right now, let's just pause for a moment of prayer. Lord, we are thankful for the way you use your word to guide our lives. We know that you do it and you're, uh, we, we know that you, you're, it's your every intention to do it again today if we're willing if we'll hear you and open our hearts to your word and make room for you. We, we are thankful, Lord, that in the last few weeks we've had testimonies that you said to people exactly what they needed to hear that applied to the situations, the personal situations in their lives. Thank you, God, for that. And, Lord, please do it again. I, I admit now in this hearing, God, that I've got nothing. I am, I am powerless to change a life. I'm a powerless to, to offer anything of worth but, Lord, if we can hear just something from you, something from you, it'll change us forever. So we pray that your spirit will use this time to touch our hearts. Oh, God, and you'll get all the praise and all the glory for every good thing you do. Please prevent me from wasting your precious time by saying things that you don't want said here today. But, Lord, make these things your word, Lord, we pray in this time. We ask for your help now. And we ask you, please, to now open our eyes. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. When we enter the world of John chapter 9, it, we enter into a busy world. There's a lot going on in chapter 9. There's a lot of people in John chapter 9. We've got Jesus. That's always good. Uh, we've got a blind man, a man born blind. We've got his neighbors who... Don't really know him very well. Uh, we've got his family. We've got Pharisees. And so we've got a big group of people represented in this chapter. And all of them have, are, are going to be touched by this powerful moment. We've got a doctrinal theological question that we start with. You know, uh, who's, who sinned? We'll get into that in a second. And we have this remarkable healing. Remarkable healing. That causes such a stir that everybody's life is changed because of their proximity to this. Uh, and uh, just for our information, this is the only time in Scripture where it says that somebody with a congenital defect is healed by Jesus or anyone else. Uh, somebody else may have had some sort of something they were born with that Jesus healed, but it was never noted. This is noted. We're supposed to notice that this man was born this way. He was born blind. And the reaction that happens as a result of all this and the, and the miracle is two sermons. A long one and a short one. Now, which would you prefer we hear today? The long one or the short one? 
The long one is actually uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. The short one is one verse at the end of chapter 9. And that verse is 39. For judgment I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. That's the point of this whole event, this whole passage, that Jesus is opening eyes, but he's also serving as a division of people because some people just do not want to see him. And so let's look at the eyes that Jesus uh, intends to open as we, we kind of look at the blocks uh, in, the, in the passage, the blocks of teaching in the passage. And, and the first thing we see in the eyes that he wants to open are the eyes that can't see a person. The eyes that can't see a person. Now, we like to pick on the Pharisees, and they're really easy to pick on because they're really horrible uh, in their hearts. They're, they're terrible people, and, and we, we, are, we e- are easily frustrated by their prejudice and, and their relig- religious bigotry, uh, their wicked willingness to do anything no matter what to maintain their power and control over people's lives. That's who the Pharisees are. They're the best example of the worst in religion. I thought that was profound. You're looking at me like, oh, whatever. They're the best example in the worst of the worst in religion. But it's not the Pharisees that are first not to see this man. Nobody sees this man. Nobody notices this man. But we see these first few words of the chapter. He, Jesus, went along and he saw a man blind from birth. Jesus, nobody would have noticed him. If Jesus hadn't noticed him. But when Jesus noticed him, the disciples, they kind of notice him, but not really. They don't really see him. They just see the subject of a theological discussion. And so they talk about him right there in front of him as if he's not there. It's like he's invisible. Who sinned, Lord, that this man is blind from birth? Was it him or was it his parents? I don't know if you sometimes feel invisible, but man, kind of demeaning, non-personalizing, dehumanizing thing to do to somebody, to talk about them as if they weren't there, right in front of their face. Just like that. He's not deaf. He just can't see. Who sinned that that this guy has such a terrible life? And his neighbors, they don't know him. They haven't seen him. They've walked by this man every day. Begging, he's, he's begging, and they're like, is that him? I don't know. The, the, the neighbors who've known him his whole life don't know him, and they couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Well, maybe it kind of looks like him. I don't know. We need to know people. We need to see people, look at people. That's the call. That's the first call of this passage. Look at people. His parents... All they could say about him was he was their son and he was born blind. They didn't really want to offer anything else. Is that the best you can do? I'm really disappointed in these parents, by the way. We'll get into that. And the Pharisees, they only see him as a tool, a means to indict Jesus for some wrongdoing. And so they're, they're going to work him. That's why they keep asking how, because they want to get the, the mechanics of how this happened so that maybe Jesus did something wrong. Get into that. And the question... Who sinned? Who sinned? Himself or his parents that he was born blind? Now, isn't that a question? Who sinned? His, himself? Now, how is he supposed to sin before he's born that causes himself to be blind? Now, this is a question, right? And yet, some people believe this way. That somehow, in a previous life, 
This man has done something that he's now paying for in his current life. That somehow there's some sort of karma working, that he's getting paid back for that wicked deed he did in his other life, right? Or maybe he sinned in a womb. I actually knew a lady. I actually knew a lady who, uh, she didn't get along with her daughter. She and her daughter were like, and she said of her daughter, God bless her, that her daughter was wicked in the womb. Now, come on, you know, that's, that, that's, that's too much. That's too much. That's, that's blaming an unborn baby for something. So, was it, the, was it him? Probably not. Oh, that wasn't him. What about the parents? Was the parents' fault? Did they do something that cursed them to have a child with a disability? Who sinned? Jesus cuts it off very quickly. He cuts it off very quickly. He says, nope, that's not how this works. They didn't sin. It's not that they never sinned. The Bible's clear that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not that they haven't sinned. But there's nothing specific that has happened that has caused this person who they're talking about as if he's not there to be blind from birth. It's not that there's a sin involved that he's being punished for. His disability is actually God's powerful opportunity. I'll let that soak in for two seconds. His disability is actually God's powerful opportunity. And in verse 3, Jesus says, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. There's, there's a reason. There's actually a so that. There's a so that. Jesus said there's a so that. This happened to him so that the works of God might be displayed in him. There's a powerful opportunity in this man's situation. And not only is there a powerful opportunity in the man's situation, but there's a powerful opportunity in the timing of all of this. Verse 4, Jesus says, As long as it's day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. What that means, very simply, as we cruise through this, is that when we're dead, we can't do anything else. And so, you graduates who are, uh, you know, launching from this point in your life, off this foundation that God has built for you, of your family and your church and everything, as you launch from this point, you've got a life to serve and do the mighty works of God with your life. You do. It, this is it. This is, this is your life. When you're dead, you don't get to do anything else. It's over. But in your lifetime, while, you're still, while it's still day in your life, you can do the works of him who sent Jesus. And we need to do those works. Praise God for these opportunities and praise God for these young adults. I'm excited about your lives. I'm jealous because I'd like to go back and do mine better. But you know what? It's your turn now. It's still my turn because I'm not dead yet. But you know what I mean. Think about this question though. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why did these things happen? Why did these things happen? Now, I want you to ask this question a different way. What if this man or his parents sinned and that caused him to be born blind? What does that say about people that are born with healthy, whole, full-functioning bodies? Where all their senses work. All their appendages work. Everything is functioning A-OK. Do people with beautiful bodies have less sin in their life? 
The people with beautiful bodies have better parents and less sinful parents. Is that how this works? So that only people that have the sin have the struggle? Does born beautiful make you better? And I get in trouble for saying this. I get people, I'm going to get texts, not maybe from some of you, but definitely from some of my old friends in the old church who keep on watching. Yay. Um, I, I get in trouble for saying this, but beautiful people are some of the worst. Beautiful people are some of the worst. They really are. And not all the beautiful people. There's some beautiful people inside and out. But sometimes being beautiful is a curse. Sometimes being born with a beautiful body and a beautiful life and everything going just your way is a, is, causes you to go the wrong way. And all you care about is skin deep. And you're actually ugly on the inside. This man has something special. He's got a gift, and his gift is a disadvantage. His gift is a disadvantage. If you can accept it, it's absolutely true. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12. The Apostle Paul, man, he was so fruitful. I mean, the churches that exploded as he went into places, got beat up and blown up and knocked out and everything else, but shared the gospel and people came and churches bloomed and, oh, the fruit. And then the New Testament, he's written by the Holy Spirit through him. He's written the New Testament more or less. I mean, amazing. And then he had what he called surpassingly great revelations of, of communing with and talking with the risen Christ in person, in the spirit, but in person, and having this, this vision of the third heaven. And so he, he, he had all this. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 7, it says that, therefore, in, in order to keep me from becoming what? Conceited. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. And that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in the weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. His disability in this story, this man, blind, it's a gift that God's going to use to do some powerful work. They had eyes. They couldn't see him. They couldn't see the value in him. But I'm telling you right now, God can do more with our imperfections than our attributes. God can do more with our failures and our faults and our disabilities and our personal disasters. And we've all got some of those. And our deficits and our struggles. And every, all these things that we have that we say, oh, I wish we didn't have that. God can do more with those things and those things that we take pride in and make us conceited. And they couldn't see him. They couldn't see the value in him. Maybe don't, people don't see you either. But God sees you. God sees you. 
He has a plan so that, those two words, so that you, like him, can be a demonstration of God's power. To him, you're beautiful. And you need to see yourself the way he sees you. You're perfect for his plan just as you are. And his power is made perfect in your weakness. So embrace the gift of who he made you to be. Go ahead and just rest in it. They couldn't see a person. They had eyes. They can't see a person. He's calling us to not be so blind and see people. He wants to do that work in us today. That we'll see people and we can see ourselves. We'll get to that. They also had eyes that can't see Jesus. Let's go to verse 8. Eyes that can't see Jesus. His neighbors and those who formerly seen him beg and asked, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? So others claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. How then were your eyes open? And he replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is the man? I don't know, he said. There's a progression in this man's life that we need to see. There's a progression as he begins to discover Jesus. As, as the, the, the fog of who Jesus is kind of fades away. In verse 11, he says that Jesus is the man they call Jesus. He, Jesus isn't his. He's the man they call Jesus. They. I, I don't like they. I don't like that word at all. I don't like they and I don't like them. I'm not real fond of you. I'm not you. But the pronoun you. Because these are words that kind of put everything out there. I don't like when people come to me and talk to me about the church and go, your church needs to do this. Not if you're in it. It's us. We're in this together. Amen? It's not they. Drop they. Drop they. Let's not talk about they. We're in this together. I don't like when the bulletin says, we're going to do this. Hope you'll come. I don't like that. We're in this together. All of us. It's just a weird thing I have about pronouns. Don't like them. Not those anyway. I like us. I like we. They. Don't like they. But he started with the man they called Jesus. People say that about us. What's, what's their deal? Well, they're all excited about a man they call Jesus. But then he goes on to verse 17 and he discovers or kind of realizes that Jesus is a prophet. In verse 31, he says that Jesus is a godly person who does God's will. And in verse 38, he gets there. Lord, I believe. He calls him his Lord, and he worships him. If you don't know Jesus yet, I hope you're on this road of discovery. I hope that little by little, you're going the right direction, and, and the fog is lifting, and you're beginning to see that he's not just somebody they call Jesus, but he's, that he's somebody from God, with, with God's words. And not only that, but he's done God's will, and not only that, he's the Lord, and I hope and pray you'll put yourself at his feet and worship him. That's what it's all about. That's what this is all about. I hope you're on that road. The Pharisees weren't on that road. They were on the Sabbath. They were on the Sabbath. Sabbath. What did Jesus do? He, made, he, he spit in the dirt and he made some clay and he applied the clay to the man's eyes and he healed him. Three violations of the Sabbath. And their summary statement this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. He's doing work, so they say. And this didn't make sense to a lot of people, though. Verse 16, they said, how can a sinner perform such signs? So there's division. 
The Pharisees couldn't see Jesus because they wouldn't see Jesus. They didn't want to see Jesus. Verse 24, they say, we know this man's a sinner. Really? How do you know Jesus is a sinner? Have you been watching Jesus? Have you been tracking with Jesus? Have you been with him all along? Do you, how do you know he's a sinner? Jesus actually challenged him in John 8, 46. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? So along with the signs of Jesus, there's actually the sinlessness of Jesus that prove who he is. He's not a sinner. He's never sinned. And if you were with him, you'd know it. And these guys, they, they kind of prove it that, 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 that he's not a sinner because the stuff they have to pull out or, or make up to try to accuse him of a sin. Why, he made clay. This much. How much clay can you make with spit? I don't know, but he, you know, he made this much. He put it on the eyes, and he healed the man. Oh, bad, bad, bad. He's obviously not from God. He's a sinner. Mm. They're straining a gnat to come up with something. But Jesus wasn't trying to squeeze one more day of revenue out of his business week and he wasn't failing to trust God but getting one more day of profits he wasn't breaking the Sabbath he trusted God with the Sabbath he made this much mud to heal a man from his blindness he was born with mud we need to notice that why is that important what did he make us out of to begin with how did God form the man in Genesis chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Streams came up out of the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. He created all of us out of dust. Now this guy, he was born, his eyes didn't fully develop. Something in the womb happened so that he, his eyes didn't work. He, everything else worked, I guess, but his eyes didn't work. He, he was not fully finished. But you know what? Jesus could take care of that because he made a little dust and put it, a little mud, and put it on his eyes, and he finished the work, and now he can see because that's who Jesus is. He's the one who made us to begin with. They said Jesus is a sinner. They can't see Jesus. Let's keep going to verse 24. We're going to skip the parents for a second. The second time they summoned the man who'd been blind, they said, give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. Well, you know, this is a trial now. And it's nothing like the, uh, the, the judge prejudicing the witness to tell him exactly what he's supposed to say. He's a sinner. You better say that. You better say it. And the man replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind. And now I see. That's, that's the witness. Simple, personal, factual. Let your witness be simple, personal, factual. Tell somebody what Jesus has done for you. Tell them facts of what Jesus has done in Scripture. Keep it as simple as possible. Let that be your witness. Simple, factual, personal. Let's keep going. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? They want to get that list again. Oh, he made so much on the Sabbath. And he answered, I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why won't they listen? 
Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> I love this guy so much. He said early on, I'm the man and he is the man. When he said that, he became the man for me. Do you want to become his disciples too? What boldness this guy. Uh, I've changed his name. I, you know, you get to that point where you're like, I can't call him the blind guy anymore. What do we call him? The not blind anymore man. Nabam. That's what I call him. Nabam. Not blind anymore man. Do you want to become his disciples too? Verse 28, then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. Uh, he said to them, you, I told you, you didn't listen. You want to hear it again? You want to become his disciple? And then he says, and then they say to him, they say to him, we don't even know where this man's from. And he says, it's remarkable. How in the world don't you know where he's from? How in the world can you possibly not know where he's from? Why don't you ask somebody? I mean, it wasn't so long ago that this big event happened in Bethlehem. And Herod killed all the baby boys. Come on. It's not hard to look this up. This information is out there for everybody. And maybe there's an innkeeper or somebody in the innkeeper's family who could say, you know what? There was this night. There was this night when the star came out, this miraculous star. It lit up everything. And it, it went right over our little stable out back. Ask somebody. And they're shepherds. You know all those shepherds. There's going to be one of those shepherds or two of those shepherds maybe still around or maybe one of their families who could speak about the host of heaven who came and said, there's good news of great joy for this day in the city of David. A Savior has been born to you and he is Christ Messiah the Lord. Ask somebody. Why won't they ask somebody? Because they don't want to know. They're blind and they want to stay that way. Straining in an ad. Oh, we know he's a sinner. They couldn't see because they wouldn't see. They had eyes that couldn't see a person even though Jesus saw him before he was born. And they, they have eyes that can't see Jesus. But you know when we do see Jesus, when we begin to see like he is, begin to see Jesus, the more we see Jesus, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And his grace. Well, how'd this go for him, this, this little second meeting with the Pharisees? He said, if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And to this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. They threw him out like yesterday's garbage. They didn't care about him. They never cared about him. They never saw him or cared about him. And they threw him out. Now he's out of the synagogue. He's lost the protection of his community. He's lost his place in community. Let's go to the last one. Eyes that can't see ourselves. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? He's been cast out. He saw the truth, spoke the truth. It was obvious to him. It was so obvious that he didn't feel at all uh, embarrassed to say, what's wrong with you guys? This is obvious. Nobody's ever done this before. Why can't you see? And they got so ill with him, they cast him out, kicked him out. He's, now he's lost everything because of the truth. 
His parents were afraid. His parents were afraid to do it. His parents were afraid to talk about Jesus. They wouldn't go there because they knew the threat that everybody who acknowledges Jesus as Messiah is going to get kicked out of the synagogue. And they were not going to give up their place in society or their protection in the social structure. They were going to be safe. They played it safe. Those of you who are young, those of you who are graduates, those of us who are the parents, want nothing more than for you to be stronger than we've been. We want you to be better than we've been. Make the changes that we failed to make. Do the things that we didn't do. Be stronger. Love Christ more. Do it. These parents were a disappointment. And you know, you know as well as we do. You know better than we do. We've been a disappointment too. But you guys, it's your turn to live. Take this world for Christ. Take it for Christ. And live wide open for Him. See people. See Jesus. And it starts with seeing ourselves. We've got to see ourselves. Jesus heard the man had been thrown out. When he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Jesus is going to give him a new community. Yeah, you're out of that one now. But that's okay. You've got a new community now. You've got a new family now. We'll take you in. The followers of Jesus are going to take care of one another. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you've now seen him. And in fact, he's the one speaking with you. This guy started to believe when he heard. Because hearing, it's by hearing that faith is produced. Faith comes from hearing the word about Jesus. And we are the people who believe in Jesus even though we've never seen him. And Jesus said, blessed are those who believe who haven't seen But someday, we're going to get these very same words when he says to you and me, now you've seen him, and he's the one speaking with you. And we'll be in the embrace of Jesus. This man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. I want that for every one of you, that you have intimacy with Jesus, and that you know how to worship him, and fall into his arms and trust him. Verse 39 says, for Jesus said, for judgment I've come into this world, so the blind will see. The blind like this man, spiritually blind, and those who will see will become blind. People who will not see reject Jesus. Don't, everything they say is just an argument. They don't really want to know the truth. It's just an argument to, to, to argue with Jesus. He says, you're just going to get more and more blind the more you do that. And Jesus, the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said, what, are we blind too? They really don't get it, do they? They can't see themselves. We've got to see ourselves. We've got to see ourselves. Can you see yourself? We're in a situation now in our world where we're seeing they, we're saying they an awful lot. They, they, they. They, they, they. We're talking about them. Well, them, they, 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 that. So they, they break windows. They do this. They do that. Right? We are so polarized, and, and it's ugly. It's a, it, there's nothing of God in this polarization. So, so somebody needs to drop a hat, and everybody's going to come out fighting. Everybody's ready. They're, they're just full of raw opinion. They, 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 they. Water. We blind too. He's calling us to humility. 
And he's calling us to confession. He's calling us to introspection. He's calling us to let the Holy Spirit show us the sinful way in us so that he can lead us in the way everlasting. We've got to drop they. We've got to drop they. We've got to say, Jesus, help me see me and help me change me. That's what we need so bad. John 3, 19. Jesus says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. let's, Let's see ourselves. The call of God today call of God today, plain and simple. See people. See them. See the beauty in them. See the value in them. They got a deficit. They got a disability. God can be glorified in that. We should be humble in every way. And if for some reason we got bodies that work, that should humble us all the more. See people. See people. See people. See Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Look at him. He'll lead you exactly where you need to go. Graduates, see Jesus. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus and follow Jesus where he goes. And see yourself. See yourself. Stop blaming everybody else. And just look at your own heart. We have decision counselors on the, on the screen there. And if God's speaking to you today, I pray with all my heart that he is. I hope you'll call one of them. They would pray with you and talk with you about anything you want to talk about. Whether you want to come to know the Lord. Or whether you uh, need to be a part of a church, a new community. Or something else. Call those numbers on your screen right now. And if you guys have somebody, that you, if you have something you'd like to talk about today. Maybe you'd like to come to Jesus, or maybe you'd like to talk about joining the church. We have counseling rooms here as we dismiss. There's counseling rooms here on this side of the, of the hallway in the back. There's two of them, but we'll make more if we need them. And if God is talking to your heart about making a decision for him today, and I hope you'll be faithful to him and obedient to him to make it. Let me pray for you now as Joey comes to lead us in our last song. Thank you, Jesus, for these words. They cut us. They cut us to, to, to the heart, and we're glad because we need to hear from you. We need to see people. We need to see you. Oh, you're so beautiful. And we need to see ourselves. If there's any hope for us, if there's any hope for change in us, we've got to see ourselves. Lord, please now use these words. Don't let them be snatched up by the by the devil who loves to snatch up the words while they're still on the path. Let them be received now and help them to change us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray.